0: Welcome to Devils in the Dark with me, Helen Anderson And me, Danny Howard We're two best friends entering the world of true crime I'll be sharing the stories of some of the worst and most horrific murder cases in history With the help of professional criminologists And we're taking you along for the ride In this episode, we're looking into the horrific case of serial killer friends Leonard Lake and Charles Ng yeah baby they wanted
1: us back i can't believe it it's, <laughs> thank you so much everyone for waiting impatiently that's <laughs> <laughs> been fucking brilliant what do you mean by that just everyone's been messaging like please when are you coming back like oh and it, when we're on download we've bumped into people haven't we in the real world that was the actual best thing that's happened like yeah, yeah. Yeah, it has been so nice, um, to be fair. I feel like I need to apologise to the people that came up, came up. Oh, well done, we love your podcast. And I just had, like, a giant spring roll in my mouth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel, I feel like, I mean, without trying to sound like a butthead here, but I already have people come up to me because of my Instagram wildlife. Helen's famous. Shut up. But. <laughs> you like, are. I never
1: like it, stop it. I think it's fun. Oh,
0: no, well, but. I think when people go love
1: your podcast that makes you feel something different. It's like a different feeling of joy. These two girls came up and I was like, "Oh, they're just waiting in line for to to see Helen." And then they spoke to me. Yes. And, and I was like ah! and I, I genuinely almost did a little sick in my mouth. I was so excited. <laughs> well, it was it was really exciting. Yeah. Lovely. Everybody has just been so nice. So if you do ever see us, please do come say hi. We'll probably be really awkward.
0: Also, can we say thanks to Audio Boom for actually like inviting us back yeah. to do another season because well, we didn't know how it was going to go out, go down. The first few weeks we were a bit like what have we done? Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty But, but we did spiral quite a bit. We <laughs> what have we done? We're terrible people. We're not we're not we're not made for this world. I'm not sure that too. You-
1: anxious people like us should host a podcast (laughs) like
0: this (laughs) but um you know I'm very glad we do yeah I do I'm so happy I'm really happy to be
1: back me too what have you been doing it's been ages um dealing with you yeah so uh, (laughs) there has been a development Uh, in in our world quite uh, a big quite a big development well right now it's about the size of an orange i think is it no i think it's bigger than that i don't know i'm having a baby yeah i'm gonna be in charge of a whole human life i'm growing it right now it's here with us today It's is.
0: It is. it's gonna be with us for the foreseeable until it's not in your body anymore
1: yeah, which uh, I'm quite looking forward to, to be honest. Oh, what? No, for it not being in, our, in my body. Oh, no, right, okay. Like, I, I won't bring it in to record with us. That no, I was going like to say that. like the whole birthing scenario. Oh, nobody looks forward to that. Nah, no. Um, I just, uh, it's been a bit wild, hasn't it? I'm out of control. So this is going to be. I cried at an old man crossing the road the other. Day. I've actually will just well up talking about it, to be honest. Yeah. He um. <laughs> we just started the podcast. Oh God. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped to let him cross the road and he, because he was at a zebra crossing. Or did it even just like let me? Fish him... gaze. The tears are coming. <laughs> they are. He was so sweet. And he just stopped. And before he went, he looked at me and I gave him a smile and then he saluted me and I fucking lost it. I just oh, cried the whole way to the car park. To be fair, that's
0: pretty underst- I cry at old men holding like, flowers in the holding flowers in the supermarket. I just
1: wasn't just... prepared. In a way, I was almost like, why did you do that? you're too pure <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah so pregnant danny's been fun i don't know what i've been doing what
1: i've been doing um i feel like you've done loads you've just had a you've got an ep coming out oh yeah my
0: band's ep's coming out well it will be out by now music video come out i shot a music video which was kind of really fucking weird but that was what, that was my idea that i came up with like in the middle of the night when i couldn't sleep um
1: We've done download. We've done download, download first.
0: I've been to Paris with with a brand. I'm gonna to go to Paris again in a few weeks because I loved it so much. But with Phil, we're wondering if he's gonna repose.
1: He's not now.
0: We well, ain't gonna hear it. It's gonna to be too late by the time this up. Who knows? Will I be engaged by now? I mean, I'm I'm not vow. I'm not. What? Are? Well,
1: because if you're not, everyone's gonna be like. <gasps>
0: Oh. Yeah, well it don't matter. It's wah, just wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. It's my violin. I'm not putting the pressure on it, just be funny, wouldn't it?
1: I can't tell. I just can't tell if he will. Yeah, well, we keep talking about marriage and shit. Does he listen to this? No? Well if you haven't, Phil, message to you, Phil, if <laughs> though, even though you don't listen. Which is rude.
0: Yeah, well oh yeah, it is rude, isn't it? But he because, listens. He listens to this bloody car podcast.
1: He can listen to two podcasts. I know. That's so rude. Right,
0: well, you need to tell him after. When we come out of here later and he's picking me up later, you need to tell
1: him off for that. Right. Next week, I'll leave him a note because this week I'm going to find him. Yeah. And make him listen.
0: Yeah, OK. All right. Should right. we give
1: him something to listen to then? We've been waffling on for ages. Yeah, no, I know.
0: <laughs> Will I get engaged in Paris? Who knows? Pending. <laughs> <laughs> Check
1: socials for an
0: <laughs> Check socials. <laughs> Right, we're going to have to shift a gear a wee bit because it has been lol 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 ha 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 but we are. it's going to take a turn. We're going dark. We're going dark. So before we kick it off I just need to let you know that some of the victims in this case are children and we don't go into too much detail about it but just so you're aware if it isn't something you want to listen to please do check out some of our other episodes maybe Dorothea Puente or Raoul Mo. Um Just a disclaimer, because it might not be nice for everybody. So... Shall we get into it? I'm scared. (sighs) Let's set the scene. It's a sunny day in June 1985, and the police have been called to a San Francisco lumberyard to apprehend a shoplifter. By the time the police arrive, the suspect has already fled, but the man's partner is still at the scene. As they start questioning him... He tries to talk his way out of the situation. Nothing is appearing super suspicious until the police take a look inside the man's car. The roof of the car is covered in bullet holes. What? And what's more, a gun fitted with an illegal silencer is just sitting on the passenger seat. That's enough for the police. So they arrest him. They take the man down to the station and prepare to question him. And he asks for a piece of paper and a pencil thinking he wanted to write a confession the officer leaves to go get it but when they get back the man is dead he had taken a cyanide pill that he'd previously sewn into his lining of his jacket having rather die than submit to questioning police grow obviously way more curious as to what the hell is going on here and what he could be hiding so nothing says guilt than a cyanide pill hey They could never have imagined what they were about to find.
1: God, that is wild.
2: I spent 23 years uh, of my career in homicide, worked a lot of murder cases, but this is right at the top of the list of being uh, one of the most difficult to deal with personally.
0: The man was no mere shoplifter. He was one half of a serial-killing duo that had built a hidden bunker where they kidnapped, raped tortured and murdered men, women and children.
3: Lake and Ng are a dominant and subservient pair of lust killers. One having the lust fantasy, the other going along with the lust fantasy.
4: These two were incredibly cold. They really didn't care. And And the way that they treated their victims, they humiliated them, they tortured them. This was what they thought was fun.
0: So let's go back to the start. Leonard Lake, the elder of the pair, was born in 1945 in San Francisco, California. Criminologist Dr Elizabeth Yardley... uh, She's back too. She's back, says that Leonard had a troubled childhood and so there's no surprises there.
4: His family um, have got a a history of of working in the US Navy. They, They move around a lot. There's quite a lot of volatility in the family unit, quite a lot of drinking...
0: When he was six, Leonard's parents got divorced and he and his siblings were then sent to live with his grandparents. His grandmother allegedly encouraged him to do some very messed up things, including taking naked pictures of his sisters. Oh, no. Yeah, some people think this gave him his fixation on manipulating women.
1: What a thing to do. Yeah. I'm baffled by that. Oh, your grand
0: your grandmother. Like,
1: yeah, like what?
0: So, to no surprise, Leonard started to develop his own unhealthy and dark urges. One day he discovered a book called The Collector by John Fowles and it immediately became his favorite book. Author and journalist Geoffrey Wonsall, welcome back, Jeff. Love Jeff. Knows more.
5: Basically, the story of The Collector was a a clerk called Frederick Clegg. He collected butterflies. And for some reason, suddenly developed a fixation on a girl called Miranda and decides to abduct Miranda so that she becomes part of his butterfly collection.
0: And at first, it sounds quite a nice book, really a little a man collecting butterflies. I was like,
1: that is so gentle. Yeah. Wow. How lovely. And then
0: he kidnaps someone called Miranda and she becomes part of his collection, That's which terrible. has a horrible twist.
1: I've heard of this book. Oh. the collector i did I think that that's been
0: sounds like they'd make a film out of that, yeah, there? or I a think, Netflix series, I
1: think there has been, yeah, um, so, but this book sparked something
0: very weird in him, and I'm not sure how he made this connection, but he became obsessed with the idea of having lots of sex slaves and fathering the next generation of the human race, oh. In his bunker after an Armageddon he was convinced was going to happen. Oh, my God. So, Leonard, oh mighty sex lord, impregnate us in your impenetrable bunker.
1: Like, just (laughs) fuck's sake. Yeah. Fuck's sake. Where did that come from? I don't know. I don't see the connection. Do you know, that's the kind of thing that's really satired quite a lot, like in um, sort of like sitcoms and stuff, like uh, the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that was uh, she was in an underground bunker because spoilers. Um, it's really old if you haven't seen it. Um, yeah, and she worshipped John ha- John Ham because John Ham had convinced like these six girls that the world had ended, and he was like the best thing ever. I mean, to be fair, John Ham could probably convince me that the world had ended, but that's as, that's an aside. That's got nothing to do with this.
0: I think I've I think I've seen
1: that. Everybody's seen it. I need to rewatch it.
0: Yeah, so not sure how butterfly collecting can turn into sex slavery. It's a bit of a leap. Like bu- Bunker, Armageddon. To be fair, apocalypse.
1: butterfly collecting and kidnapping a girl, that's a bit of a leap in the story, in fiction. Yeah. That's a leap. In real life, that's not even a leap. What is that? That's a fucking flight. That's yeah, quite a long flight. That
0: is. I'd say that was a moon landing.
1: Mm, yes.
0: Yeah. yeah. As the story continues... Surprisingly, in 1965, 19-year-old Leonard joined the US Marine Corps and ended up serving two tours in the Vietnam War as a radar operator.
5: I think it tipped him over the edge. The possibility that he would find himself in close combat fighting essentially snapped. And that was the genesis of the man that became really a ferocious killer
0: Quick side note here. It does make you wonder, and this isn't at all excusing any sort of behaviour, but how war does break the mind. Like the amount of soldiers with PTSD and other mental illnesses, it really does, I think, take a strong mind to not be affected, even if if even if even that's possible. Do you know,
1: that was my first thought, was like particularly Vietnam mm-hmm. um, messed up a lot of people up like a lot of people came back really broken from that didn't they and there yeah. was also there was absolutely no support for them when they came back so even i mean you know he was already sort of bit be- groomed to, yeah. to break in yeah. this way it sounds like but even without that um it's that's a very dangerous situation yeah. for somebody especially like that when he's already in. got ideas that aren't yeah <laughs> okay. I okay mean, what was it um The Night Stalker, his cousin.
0: Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. That
1: That was fucked up, wasn't it? Vietnam fucked it. Vietnam started
0: it. But even like, you know, especially when there's wars where it is people enrolling into the army to go fight for their country rather than people enrolling in the army to be in the army generally. Because you've got people that are in the army as their career and that is what they do
1: well, I think the thing is with Vietnam, they didn't enrol by choice. They were conscripted. And yeah, it was done well, that's by birth- it. And it was done by birthday.
0: Yeah, so is- they're, but they're just regular people mm. that have been picked to go fight. They're not people that necessarily are like potentially going to have the right mindset or be strong in their own self to be able to cope with the traumas that come with war. Mm. Because, you know, for example, our friend who was in the RAF, Okay, he's unbreakable, isn't he? He
1: is, but that a was his choice. Human. That was his choice to do that. Not that he's unfeeling, but no. But but what yeah, I'm trying to solid. say is
0: that people that choose to go in the army as a career, yeah, will probably be. I can't say it. I can't speak for these. No, like, I know you what, you're what, what you're I'm trying, trying to say? say. Like
1: there's like you're sort of. It's almost like you have the time. You're like to mentally prepare yourself to to know yourself. That this is what you want, you're choosing this, yes. and you know you're going into it with your eyes open. Yep. Which uh, historically, during big wars, where particularly where conscription happens, it's all propaganda to make it seem like a really good idea, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's not.
0: No, but you know, you could also argue that it could be traumatic no matter who you are.
1: Oh, it definitely but, is. Yeah, nobody so, should really have to no. make those kind of choices. And I think the people that do have to make those kind of choices in a war zone, on a front line, and it doesn't weigh on them mm-hmm. Are probably the people that you have to worry about
0: Yeah, exactly So, in, 19, anyway. in 1971 Leonard was diagnosed with Schizoid personality disorder And was given a medical discharge So he moved to San Francisco and got married But it didn't last long
5: His wife finally couldn't stand it Because he made amateur porn films A lot of sadomasochism A lot of bondage His wife was very upset by that and effectively threw him out.
1: Which is fair enough. I did not see that coming. Mm. Amateur porn. Okay, right. Oh, he's making the porn again. Get out. As long as it was consensual. Yeah, I
0: know. But yeah. if, if she didn't want him but, making porn in their house, then that's fair enough. I like, know. <laughs> Why did
1: you break up with your husband? He just kept making porn. Yeah. Making porn. Yeah. Like, not even... Enough people would probably be like, he just won't stop watching porn.
0: Yeah. A few years later, Leonard met his second wife, a woman named Claralyn Bellaz, whose nickname was Cricket.
1: Hmm. That's cute. Yeah.
0: Very different to his first wife, Cricket was very much into what Leonard was into.
5: Less cute. Cricket was an active participant in his, again, amateur uh, porn films and appeared in many of them. This is the thing about abusive men like Leonard Lake. They're not abusive all of the
4: time. They're able to charm, they're able to manipulate, they're able to to spin a good story to people who they want to support them. On the other side of the world,
0: travel was a brewing with the other half of the soon-to-be serial killer duo. Charles Ng was born in 1960 in Hong Kong. He was the son of a wealthy Chinese businessman and was unfortunately abused by his father, who had some very violent disciplinary methods. But Charles had
5: his own ways to cope. One of Ings' releases was to be a kleptomaniac. He stole things. He stole things because it made him feel better about himself. And he did it repeatedly.
0: I didn't know that stealing things for fun or having an addiction to stealing things had such a fun name. Oh, did you not? Kleptomaniac.
1: Yeah, that's so cool. Like, oh yeah, I'm a bit klepto.
0: Is that really a thing? I've never heard of that before.
1: Yeah, there's a good Netflix
0: series. Klepto, um, but people that steal spoons from restaurants and stuff.
1: No, they take like they no, they take like legit things. Like they, if they go to somebody's house, they won't be able to help themselves. Like if I came, if I was a kleptomaniac, I came to your house, I'd probably leave with something that you didn't wow. tell me I could Whoa. take. Whoa, I didn't know that. Shit, I've revealed all my secrets.
0: Stop no. taking my things. That's <laughs> why I thought I had a black hole in my house where the things disappeared to. It's you.
1: It's just me. Um, yeah, but they can't, and it's like a, a need. Is to, it? To take these things. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but there's a, there's a, so it's a shit story, actually, but there's a good Netflix series about three girls who ha- have kleptomania. And, um, I did not know that. Yeah, and I mean, like a basically like AA, but for people who steal things.
0: I just think it has a fun name. This is interesting. I look yeah. more, I'm going to look welcome, more. Welcome,
1: welcome, welcome to the Klepto Club. I have a thing. I really like knowing what phobias are called. Right. I'm rubbish at remembering them. There's a phobia of chins, and I find that fascinating. <laughs> Imagine being afraid of chins, <laughs> uncontrollably afraid. Yeah. Of chins. The brain is. Bizarre. You can't get away from him. No. Everybody has one. Most people have one. Not everybody has one.
0: When he was 15, Charles was sent to a boarding school in England, but it went downhill pretty quickly. He was a pretty bright kid, but he couldn't help himself in terms of stealing and acting out. So he was moved from school to school due to his poor behaviour. We'll send you
1: to England. They'll sort you out. (laughs) (laughs) But we will. But will we? No, that <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> Judging by the content of this podcast, no, we did not. <laughs> <laughs> so in
0: 1978, at 18 years old, Charles moved to the US on a student visa. He went to California to study, but troubled followed him. In October of 1979, Charles was involved in a hit and run. He was arrested and forced to pay for the damages. A year after the incident, Charles lied about his nationality and also joined the US Marine Corps. But less than a year after he joined, his old habits resurfaced. By the time he was 22, he was arrested for stealing, drum roll, explosives and weaponry! Oh my God. Which I, where? Charles was sentenced to 14 years in military detention in Hawaii. And it was while he was in jail that Charles Ng formed his unlikely relationship with Leonard Lake. Here's Liz.
4: Ing was in military detention and he was reading a, a magazine and there was an ad in this magazine Leonard Lake had placed in there and he responded to this ad. So it was a, a real chance encounter. With a 15-year
0: age gap and nothing but an ad in a magazine to tie them together, it was a
4: seriously dark twist of fate that Charles and Leonard ever met. And you wonder, had he not have been reading that particular magazine, had he have been in a different place, that these two would never have come together. But they did meet, and they they wreaked absolute havoc. That
0: is really a real twist of fate, isn't it? We've talked about this before. Yeah, Anna, just if we weren't at this place at this time yeah. at this in this country,
1: it's such a minor it's weird, thing. isn't He's it? Just reading a magazine, yeah, and that destroys so people's many lives. people's lives. Yeah, and that is mad. And you sort of think, yeah, people have this whole like, oh, fate, it's destiny, rah rah rah, but like fate has this balance this yeah. sick balance so you know some people might be fated to fall in love these people were fated to kill oh this all yeah. oh. the
0: universe the, the 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 paradox parallel universe you know like yeah. if you make that decision or that decision what will the outcome be
1: it's mad. Uh, i
0: can't think about it that. too much because it genuinely makes my brain hurt I was sick in the bin in the corner
1: yeah
0: Leonard was advertising weapons he had for sale, which appear to have been the basis of their friendship. Charles stayed in touch with Leonard, who became a kind of mentor for the young would-be killer.
5: I think what Ing found in him was a kind of surrogate father, someone who would understand him. He was suggestible enough to fall under the spell of a man of a stronger, older disposition, which Slake certainly was.
0: Then, in early 1983, Charles managed to escape from military detention and just a sec can we just talk about this hawaii as we just discovered
1: is in the, the other day nowhere.
0: yeah yeah <laughs> after discussing where we're gonna go for your 10 year anniversary
1: yeah hawaii's far it's so far how did he get away oh, it's mad it's in the middle of the sea it's I'm genuinely baffled by it's so far and it also like where is it's it's, it's far from everything where are you going? How did you just... How? How did you know which way to go? Yeah. <laughs> it's the 70s. Like, it's not like they had sat-nav, you know what I mean? Yeah, get
0: the googly maps app. Yeah.
1: They're just pulling out this paper-like road atlas. Yeah,
5: <laughs>
0: which is just ocean. Yeah, it's just
5: blue. <laughs> he did manage to escape, though. And the one person he deserted to run away to was Lake, who was living at this point in a mobile home in Northern California.
0: His escape didn't last long. An FBI SWAT team arrived at Leonard's mobile home by helicopter. What a way to make an entrance. They raided it and arrested Charles. In the raid, they also made a discovery that would lead to Leonard getting arrested too. He had a lot of illegal firearms. But Leonard didn't stay in custody for long. He was freed on bail and then went into hiding in California. Charles was not so lucky. He was sent to the US State Penitentiary in Leavenworth, Kansas. In 1984, after serving 18 months, Charles was dishonorably discharged and released. And I had to look up what this meant because I didn't know well, what does dishonorably discharged mean. It basically means um, that they are na- not allowed to own firearms, according to US federal law. And um, military members who receive a dishonorable discharge forfeit all military veterans benefits and may have difficult time finding work in the civilian sector.
1: Oh, I didn't realise it had such a knock-on effect. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Interesting. The two friends once again reunited. Not even significant jail time can keep these two apart. Charles moved into Leonard's new remote ranch in the Northern California wilderness. It was here that they started to let their gruesome desires take hold. Leonard shared his twisted fantasies inspired by his favourite book, The Collector, and Charles, unbelievably, was sold. Together... They devised a plan to murder men, women, even infants, on an industrial scale.
1: Why?
0: On the grounds of the two-acre property, Leonard had painstakingly built an underground bunker for his Miranda plan.
1: Fuck off.
0: Criminologist Dr Elizabeth Yardley, forensic psychologist Rex Bieber, and
4: author Jeffrey Wonsall, the Dream Team, they know more. The Miranda Plan was the means by which he was going to be the one who fathered all the new children in the world after the, the nuclear Armageddon had happened, and he was in his enclave with all of his sex slaves.
3: That's what he was creating with Ing, and that's what he had been fantasizing for 20 years before he met Ing. The project's aim is to capture your ideal woman, enslave her, and have her be your sexual slave until you're done with her, at which time you kill her. In the case of Ing and Lake, the killings involve much more than killings, much more than just sex. They involved torture, they involved the photographing of victims. It was a nightmare that somebody from Hollywood could not dream up for a horror movie. Ing
5: arrives and, in a sense, they combust the fantasy because they start saying to each other, what we need is to have lots of children to repopulate the world and make better citizens, a kind of a social engineering project through a very odd prism. Ing was a very shy person
3: who himself could not have done this, but happily joined the venture so that he would have a chance of of the kind of sexuality his shyness made him possible:
0: You can sort of picture the kind of person that he was. You know the type of people that the world is going to end. I need to make a nuclear bunker and
1: repopulate the world. That's just such a an erratic thought process. Do you think? Because without the repopulating the world, yes, that is abysmal mm-hmm. and weird mm-hmm. and irrational, right but the the world is going to end, and I need a bunker. I've had that thought. Like, I'd have a bag um, or a... Bun- if I had a bunker, I'd probably sleep a little bit better at night.
0: Yeah, but you aren't building a bunker and you're... I you're don't not, have a Miranda plan. You don't plan.
1: have a Miranda plan. Yeah, that's that's an important caveat to that. That is
0: having a thought of something happening, but then having a thought of something happening and acting on it because you're that yeah. convinced it's definitely going to happen.
1: Yeah, that's mad. I would just like keep some lentils down there and some nice blankets and some ox- oxygen masks and like iodine tablets.
0: Yeah, if you thought it was going to happen. But can you imagine doing yourself that now? Um, <laughs> no.
1: Yeah. If, if anything, it's more likely to happen now than it was back then. Exactly. But we wouldn't need to repopulate the earth and I'm definitely nah. not going to be stealing people to keep in the bunker, to kill in the bunker. I mean, it, it, it it's actually a bit of backwards plan, isn't it? I need to repopulate the earth, but then I'm just killing everyone. That's the opposite of what you're doing, isn't it?
0: Yep. On July 25th, 1984, Leonard and Charles acted on their Miranda plan for the very first time. So, this is where it gets pretty rough, pals. So, buckle up. It is believed that their first victims were the Dubs family Harvey, Deborah, and 16 month year old Sean.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Leonard and Charles travelled to the couple's San Francisco apartment, pretending to answer an ad for video equipment. But soon after arriving, Leonard and Charles killed the man Harvey and 16-month-year-old Sean. But they didn't kill Deborah. They had another plan for her. They brought her back to the secluded ranch and took her down to the underground bunker. Ed Erdelatz, who was a homicide inspector of the San Francisco Police Department at the time, remembers the case.
2: In the case of the Dubs family, they they took all of their photographic equipment. Mr. Dubs used to do photography work on the side. They abducted his wife and raped her.
0: Leonard and Charles kept Deborah prisoner, torturing and humiliating her repeatedly. Sadly, this would set the precedent for the horrific acts they would subject all their female victims to.
1: This is so horrible. It's so horrible. It's just really, it's really, like... It's fucking just so horrible. Not only, she's got to live with all of that, but she's got to live with the fact that they murdered her 16-month-old son. Like, her her husband. But a baby. The baby's not even going to remember them. You know no. I mean? It's not like the baby's a witness. No. It's a baby.
2: Ugh. The women are made to uh,
5: disrobe. They're told they will cooperate or they'll be killed. They construct a one-way mirror so they can watch her she is literally a specimen which they can abuse obviously rape keep and even more horrifying they video it they video her ordeal and subjecting her to an equally awful degrading humiliation over a period of weeks I
0: don't I, I don't understand how this sinister plan these thoughts can spiral from that uh, that book that escalated quickly didn't it it's
1: yeah it's well it's baffling Uh, there's no words it's horrific it's just so horrible
0: it is completely one of those things that sounds like they're straight out of a horror film
1: like every episode we've done so far is bad yeah but this is bad this is bad and I'm like, oh, season two, episode one. I'm like, oh, well, you know, we, we, we're, we're in the deep end. We're seasoned now. We must be, fuck off. What? Yeah. I was not prepared for this.
0: No. <laughs> no. No. I think this next part is just, it really illustrates a picture of complete, not only torture, but humiliation and just being con- consistently, continuously uncomfortable and in pain all over the so they used a hog tying technique to restrain their abductees. Um, Forensic pathologist Dr. Stuart Hamilton explains just how cruel this method was.
5: Hog tying involves binding the ankles and binding the wrists and neck with somebody face down and their legs bent. So if they try and straighten their legs, it places pressure on the neck. So it is a vicious method of restraining somebody and extremely painful and extremely cruel.
0: They got a lot of pleasure from the horror they were inflicting on their victims. And finally, after weeks of torture, Leonard and Charles shot and murdered Deborah. This poor fucking women. Now, this next bit's fucked up. Forensics... Oh, soc- good, because it yeah. hasn't been so far. Yeah, right. <laughs> Forensic psychologist Rex Bieber knows the extra lengths the pair went to to make sure Operation Miranda went exactly according to plan.
3: One of the things that they did that is extraordinary is, before killing a woman, if the woman had connections, she had a job, she had a husband, they would have the woman in her own hand write a letter saying she was going away, taking a job in another city and wouldn't be coming back, and they sent it to the employer, the friend, the husband, so that they wouldn't know that she was actually missing and dead. This, this is the kind of careful planning that they did.
0: But Leonard and Charles' bloodlust was not just exclusive to enslaving and murdering women. They also preyed on single men. So as Leonard was skipping bail and still in hiding after that illegal firearms charge in 1982 to keep his cover, they would randomly kill men, then steal their money, their driver's licenses and their identities. Oh. hmm One of these victims was 34-year-old Randy Jacobson, unemployed. He had placed an ad to try and sell his van. In October 1984, shortly after Leonard answered his ad, Randy Jacobson vanished. Randy was later found murdered in his own home. He was shot three times. His roommate would later identify Charles Ng as the killer. By the end of 1984, six months since the Miranda plan began, FBI Special Agent Bobby Chacon says Leonard and Charles' lust for murder was only growing stronger.
6: Ng and Lake were just the worst possible two to ever get together. I think they fed off each other. I think they both enjoyed what they were doing. Um, And I think their enjoyment by doing it together was actually increased exponentially.
0: Having killed at least five people, Leonard and Charles were becoming a little too comfortable with their murdering ways. They get bored of the chase of answering ads and start preying on their neighbors and people who live just in the area. This is so unlike the kinds of killers that prey on people who might not have friends and family to check up on them these victims had families and employers who were probably going to alert the police but Leonard and Charles, they're feeling invincible man, they give no shits. So in April 1985, they target their neighbour Brenda O'Connor, her partner Lonnie Bond and their one-year-old son Lonnie Jr. Oh.
5: Bond and O'Connor and their son are presumably invited to Lake and Ings cabin and pretty speedily the two dispatch both father and infant son kill them and they make the girlfriend brenda o'connor a prisoner
0: who the fuck kills a child i mean who the fuck kills anyone but
1: well this once again if the miranda plan is about repopulating the earth why are they killing why are you killing the children like once he's a baby One-year-old, I should probably know what one-year-olds are like because I'm going to have one eventually. But, like, they have teeth and stuff, don't they? But they don't really, like, talk or anything by that Mm -hmm. point, do they? No. What's it going to do? It's a baby.
0: They kidnapped Brenda O'Connor and after several weeks of torture, they murdered her. Their plan really isn't... What what the fuck is this repopulating the world? It's a fucking
1: shit plan. Yeah,
0: I think he's a bit confused by his own plan. And unknown to Leonard and Charles, this would be their last kill. on, On June... Second, 1985, in San Francisco, Leonard and Charles took a trip to the lumberyard. They were looking to buy some supplies to make some improvements to their bunker.
1: <sighs> improvements, hey? Oh my god, what are they going to do? Put in an ensuite? But
0: while shopping, Charles felt the urge to shoplift. Just couldn't help himself. The shop owner called the police and the pair immediately knew their time was up. And without a second thought, in choosing form... He pegs it, he's good at escaping.
1: He's got so much like scope of places to go now. He's not even on an island.
4: Charles Ng goes on the run. He literally just abandons his partner in crime. It's all about his own self-preservation now.
2: Ng ran away, lake stayed and tried to talk his way out of the shoplifting incident. And the South San Francisco police officer went to the car to recover the vice and also found a 22 pistol in the back
0: this was enough to make police suspicious and Leonard was taken down to the police station. Here's Jeffrey Wansell and FBI Special Agent Bobby Chacon.
5: Lake is now in a pretty fragile state and I suspect realises that the whole thing is going to unravel
6: as soon as they brought him in and he asked for a piece of paper and a pencil and you're thinking as an investigator maybe he's ready to sign a confession so great i'll go run and get him a a piece of paper and a pencil
5: and then when you come back he's dead on the floor he did not want to go to the electric chair and so lake took the precaution of providing for himself cyanide pills in case he was ever captured which he sewed into his jacket it's clear that Leonard Lake knew
6: that he would kill himself when he when he got caught. He did all these terrible things and he never wanted to stand up and face the consequences of them. So that he was ready and he had those cyanide tablets on him in the event he ever got caught.
0: Leonard had made sure he would never answer his horrible crimes, but his buddy Charles was still on the run. An international manhunt for Charles was launched by the FBI and Interpol. At the same time, police processed the number plates on the brown Honda that Leonard had driven to the lumberyard. Detective Ed says that a single discovery was about to crack the case wide open.
2: Subsequently found out that the car had a different, it switched license plate and the car belonged to Paul Cosner. Paul Cosner was uh, a man who lived in the marina district in San Francisco, um, last seen alive when he uh, purportedly left the house to show a prospective buyer of his car to take them for a test drive. And uh, he was never seen again.
0: A forensic examination of the Honda revealed a single bullet hole in the roof at the front of the car. And more importantly, blood. And the discoveries continued. Investigators also found a driver's license belonging to yet another San Francisco man who had disappeared. While searching the brown Honda, detectives found a utility bill in Leonard's ex-wife's name. It was for a place in Calaveras County in Northern California. The detectives decided to visit the location and arrived at a ranch with a log cabin secluded in the wilderness, 150 miles east of San Francisco. They had no idea what they were about to find. As they walked through the cabin, they noticed a few strange things. First, they saw a bed with holes drilled in the posts and on the floor, and that's not all the team found.
2: Irene Brunn noticed a VCR and some other electronic equipment that she thought resembled equipment that was missing from the Dubs' home. And she ran the serial number of a couple of those items, and sure enough, she got a hit. So she knew at that point, not only had she linked Lake and Ng to Paul Cosner in the car, but now she'd linked them in to yet another missing person, the, the Dubs' family.
0: More and more evidence was piling up, pointing to the potential murder of four people, What started as a simple response to a shoplifting incident was now a mass murder investigation and Leonard Lake and Charles Ng were the prime suspects. On June 5th, 1985, just three days after Leonard had killed himself, a team of San Francisco and Calaveras County investigators returned to his cabin in the woods. Armed with a warrant, they searched the underground bunker built into the side of the hill next to the cabin. When they first entered... It just looked like a regular workshop where there were like tools, there was a bench, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like my garage. But then they looked up. The walls displayed, 21 photos of young women, all in various stages of undress. No way. They then discovered a false wall at the back of the workshop and behind it was another chilling discovery.
2: There was like a cell area that had been built into the back of the bunker in which we later learned that they would keep uh, female captives there uh, for a period of time
5: uh, before killing them. They discovered the dungeon and the the false room, which is hidden, and the two-way mirror and where the women had been kept. They discovered two five-gallon drums which had been buried, one of which contains IDs, paraphernalia, for up to 25 people who've might have be been missing and the other one contains lakes journals for 1983 and 1984 and the videotapes of the victims
1: 25 christ that's a lot that's a lot of people i to be fair i feel slightly relieved actually because i thought they were going to say they they found these two barrels and they were full of body parts or something you know what i mean oh my god she's making a face she's made a face Oh, oh God, I don't want to know.
0: The videos showed vivid and graphic detail of the evil abuse that Leonard and Charles had subjected their victims to.
6: You can see how the victims are full of fear and just horrified. And I think they got off on that. That brings it to a whole new level. It was on a horrific level why you would want to tape this stuff. But if you view those tapes, they're quite disturbing.
2: Brenda O'Connor, she had a little baby. And on the video, she is repeatedly uh, distraught and asking Leonard Lake and Charles, saying, what have you done with my baby? Where's my baby? It's uh, very difficult uh, to watch.
0: Yeah, I can imagine that is not...
1: That's made me... That's made my feelings go. Yeah. Um, no. You're Okay. Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. (sighs) Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, we're
0: good. We'll carry on. The horrors didn't stop there. If it could get any worse. Well, it's about to. Oh, good.
1: Good, good, good. Good.
0: (sighs) Investigators made a final gruesome discovery. We're going to go back to it. Human remains. Oh, God.
2: My partner, Jeff Brash pretty much stayed up and... up in Calaveras, and he worked with the detectives up there. And what they were doing at that point was uncovering a lot of evidence that had been buried. We know, of course, that the videos and the gun and the journals had been buried, and they began finding more bodies.
0: All in all, detectives found at least 11 bodies buried in shallow graves on the property. There were also fragments that suggested there was a 12th body but there wasn't enough evidence to actually confirm it. They also found that Leonard and Charles had disposed of all the evidence they thought might lead them back to them.
2: And what Lake and Ng did is they buried all the contents of their neighbor's cabin in the trench and covered it up. They wanted the authorities to think that Brenda O'Connor, who was the woman with her baby and her boyfriend and a friend, Scott Stapley, had just left the area and moved on.
0: Detectives did their best to identify the victims while also trying to determine cause of death, but it was a tough job. They knew that Leonard and Charles had shot their victims, but as well as burying a lot of the bodies, they also then chopped them up and put them in piles to burn them, which made it really hard for detectives to figure out what on earth had gone on so investigators were left with 45 pounds of charred remains.
1: Oh, my God.
0: After identifying the 11 victims, the remains were determined to be from six men, three women and two infants. All just over the course of 11 months. With their crimes unearthed, investigators turned their attention to catching the fugitive serial killer, Charles Ng, who had fled America to stay in Calgary, which is in Canada, as we know, which is where his sister was living. But they didn't have to wait long for Charles to reveal himself. I wonder why, on the 6th of July, 1985, Charles was feeling a little bit shoplifty.
1: He tried to steal the moon.
5: It's almost pathetic. He goes and he steals a can of salmon in a supermarket. And a couple of store detectors
2: approach him and he was armed and he pulled out his gun and shot one of the store clerks.
5: The security guard manages to hang on to him, despite having been shot in the hand. And the police are called. Ing is taken. And then, almost immediately, they realise that they have the man that the American authorities want.
0: Imagine being... A serial killer that has done so many terrible things, and you're on the run, you're successful, no one's found you yet, you're just free as a bee, and you get done for ki- stealing a fucking tin of salmon.
1: A can of salmon. Like, this is the wildest thing I think I'm ever going to really say. He was brought down by a can of salmon. Yeah. A can of salmon. He just had to take it, like I know. And this is—I'm not taking the mick out of people with kleptomania. Like I know things like that is an impulse control issue. Um, you can't help yourself, but a can of salmon, like you know, the man stole explosives. He stole explosives from the U.S. military, and he was brought down by a fucking can of salmon. <laughs> eh? <laughs> Oh Charles.
0: I like if it would have been something a little bit more up there, like a TV or I don't know
1: The Eiffel Tower. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, Charles.
0: Right. But getting Charles back to the United States to face justice wouldn't be an easy task because because he'd committed a crime in Canada, he had to serve his time for that first. He was sentenced to four and a half years for attempted murder and shoplifting, and he was determined to stay in Canada for as long as possible. He did shoot someone.
1: No, I know, but like it's four years, he did shoot someone. Yeah. And that is, but over a can of salmon, I'm never going to be over it.
6: He knew how to make the process work for him, and delaying and delaying. He told one of his cellmates, I think, that all I have to do is fire my lawyers and I get another extension. And so he tried that a few times. So he really was able to sit in that Canadian jail and really work the system.
0: Finally, six years later... In 1991, Charles was sent to California to stand trial for the crimes he had committed with Leonard Lake, but he would not go down without a fight.
5: By now, he's become very adept indeed at the ways of the law. And he starts a series of battles with the Californian state authorities.
4: And if you look at some of his behaviour at this time, it's incredibly arrogant, it's very narcissistic. He's complaining about the length of the commute to the courthouse. He's moaning about the food. He's complaining about a whole host of things that that he feels wronged by, that, that he feels entitled to. So here's somebody who really can't see beyond the end of their own nose.
0: Charles continued his fight to stay out of the courts for another seven painstaking years.
4: Oh, I'm mad now. Like,
1: that's mad, That's maddening. Yeah. That's, how dare you? The audacity you kept women in a bunker after murdering their partners and children, you kept them in there for weeks, and you want to fucking complain about the food? Are you joking? You tried to steal a can of salmon, you obviously don't have taste. Shut up.
0: And so by the time he'd finally faced trial in October of 1998, Leonard had been dead for 13 years. But Leonard had left evidence behind that meant no one was forgetting what he did anytime soon. A series of diary entries at the scene of the crime. (laughs) Ha ha. After deciphering some coded entries, investigators were certain that Leonard had actually committed several murders himself before teaming up with Charles. Here's Ed.
2: He would codename a different planned killings or crimes with names. One was... Fish, Operation Fish, and we finally determined that in addition to the women that Lake and Ng had kidnapped and raped, there was a crime, uh, several murders that Leonard Lake had committed before he and Charles Ng hooked up for their 11-month crime spree.
0: One of these solo murders was believed to be Leonard's own brother, Donald, who had mysteriously disappeared in April 1983. Another victim was Leonard's best man, Charles Gunner, who also vanished in 1983. Although the exact date of his death is a mystery, Charles Gunner's body was found buried on Leonard's secluded property in September of 1998, just one month before Charles Ing's trial and 15 years after Charles Gunner vanished. On October 26th, 1998, in Santa Ana, California, courthouse, 14 years after his killing spree began, Charles Ng was on trial. A 36 foot long truck full of evidence.
1: Oh my, my God. Yeah,
0: was shipped 400 miles south to the courtroom in Orange County in Southern California. They're like, we're rolling this bad boy in. You stand no chance, man. Although it was impossible to confirm the 12 burnt body, Charles Ng was prosecuted on 12 counts of murder.
1: Good.
2: The evidence was so overwhelming. When you consider the fact that you had him on film, with a number of the victims, telling them that that he was going to kill them, along with all of the other evidence that was found. It was a pretty rock-solid case. I went down to Orange County and testified. And in fact, he never made eye contact with me, and I never saw him really make eye contact with anybody else. He just kind of looked down the entire time.
0: The jury found him guilty of murdering six men, three women, and two infant children. However, the jury could not come to an agreement on the 12th body, claiming that there was just not enough evidence to convict him on the count. Charles Ng was sentenced to death. He currently sits in San Quentin State Prison in California. And more than 30 years later, the memories of the murders, Leonard Lake and Charles Ng committed still plague those who worked on the case.
2: I spent 23 years of my career in homicide worked a lot of murder cases, but this is right at the top of the list of being uh, one of the most difficult to deal with personally. After a while, you become somewhat hardened, I guess, but when you're dealing with uh, small children or babies, they're just innocent people taken advantage of and abducted. And then you see the horror that they go through. Then to actually see a woman begging for her, Her baby and asking for her baby, uh, that's uh, very unusual and very difficult to to deal with.
4: When I look at the Lake and Ing case, we've got a meeting of two incredibly twisted minds here, and together they created this alternative depraved reality. But I think the scariest thing is these two weren't mad, they weren't crazy, they knew exactly what they were doing, and yet they chose to do it anyway. And the thought of, of people deciding and choosing to do the things they did really does chill me to the bone.
0: And that was Leonard Lake and Charles Ing.
4: That was fucking terrible.
0: Mm.
1: What a way to start the season!
0: Yay! Yay!
1: Um, thanks, everyone, for sticking with us, to be fair. Those yeah. of you that have made it to the end, that was pretty rough, actually, wasn't it?
0: That was minging. To think that, like Liz said, like they... They were just people that wanted to do that, yeah, and that's a scary thing, like
1: oh. hey, it came from somebody's brain yeah, like yeah it's it, that is mad to me it is mad to me as well that he's still alive
0: I know like that no one in prison has tried to kill him
1: Charles Inc. yeah because you-
0: that's that's one of those cases that you'd think people would be like you're mm. you're a fucking bad person well
1: to be fair, we don't know.
0: No, we don't.
1: But um Cool, yeah, I'm glad I'm sitting down, because that was a ride. He's,
0: he's only 61.
1: Is he? So he must have been so young. I guess, like, Leonard Lake was quite manipulative, so in a way, Charlton maybe was sort of semi-manipulated into mm. going along with it, we don't know, but, I uh, like, no, not really, because he chose to be there.
0: You can like we know right from wrong.
1: Yeah, I just ah, uh, it's never. It's always gonna sort of baffle me mm-hmm. that these that these things came from somebody's brain and they chose to do this. They chose and to and they they were okay with the
0: idea of that.
1: They chose to do it in that way. No
0: conscience.
1: I hope he fucking chokes on as on. I hope cat, some on, salmon on, from a tin. Tinned salmon. Yeah. Yeah, like you know when Calma. it gets like the brown the brown bits. Yeah. Some brown never, bits. I don't like Sounds
0: s- like you've had bad salmon. I, I love I've, salmon. Well maybe
1: I have, I don't know. I, <laughs> I really don't like salmon and it's probably because one time like maybe a childminder tried to give me some tinned salmon. Um and, like, it had like brown bits and like bits of like bits in it. Ugh. Like little bones or like something. Uh, Not bones. Mm, but, like, no, I know what
0: you mean, The grizzly bits.
1: Fish bits.
0: Yeah, you don't want that shit. Go get yourself some Waitrose salmon, gal.
1: Right, well, Charles in can have the shitty fish bits and <laughs> in, in a tin. Yeah. And he has to open it with his mouth.
0: The tin with his mouth? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's, there we go. Instead of a lethal injection or whatever it is they do now, do they even, I can't. I don't know. I don't. I, death by salmon.
0: Death by salmon. <laughs> Next time in Devils in the Dark with me, Helen Anderson. And me, Danny Howard. We're looking at the life and crimes of serial killer Eileen Wernos. Subscribe or follow to make sure you never miss an episode of Devils in the Dark. In the meantime, if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please do check out the description for lots of helpful resources. Special thanks to Woodcut Media and our wonderful producers at Audio Boom Studios.
1: See you next time. Bye. Bye-bye.